When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Here's what you do. You head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week Free game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. The Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got it. (laughs) That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode number 79. Yes, we've done 78 of these and we have another one in store for you today. On this NFL Sunday week two, a lot of games going on as we're recording right now. The afternoon slate is happening, so we don't have all the results of that, so we can't give you a full recap of the Cowboys game. But we do have, of course, the Washington football uh, team game to talk about from Thursday and plenty of other things on this episode. That is Mike Cerrone. I am Ben Simpson. You can follow the show at the DC Crossover on Twitter for the main show account and at Cerrone16 for Mike. And I did want to mention um, kind of exciting news, something that's been in the works for months now is 
I believe, <clears throat> I, 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 I'm pretty <laughs> sure this week is the first episode of Erica McCall from the Washington Mystics is doing a podcast on our feed uh, called Bird's Eye View, and it's all about playing international basketball um, you know, overseas and things like that. And uh, she plays on the Mystics right now. She's a Ford, and the Mystics actually just got eliminated from playoff contention, unfortunately, today as we are recording. But um, Erica, somebody who we've Mike and I have been talking to for probably like four months right, now. Right. I mean, it's been a long time from our initial conversations, and um, she was interested in working with us on a podcast, and we figured out a good route for her to go. And and so she's going to be doing, I believe, an eight episode season. Um. Of, of Bird's Eye View, where each episode she'll bring in uh, another player or, or other guest to talk about different topics when it comes to international basketball. The first episode will drop Tuesday morning, and it is a, it, it's awesome. I've listened to it, and um, she does a real great job. The first episode actually has another Mystics teammate uh, on the episode, and they're talking a lot about yeah, international play and uh, the language barriers and the new systems and all this sort of stuff. So for those who have been interested in international uh, sports and international basketball, this will be a real fun show for you that will be dropping every Tuesday, Mike. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a cool thing for us because obviously you and I are not professional athletes, right. so we don't have that perspective. And so we get a professional athlete like Erica on um, to to give the people a perspective that you and I do not have. Right, and that's the funny thing, too, is when you're looking at it, we were just kind of recording one day, and all of a sudden we kind of got this message about Erica wanting to kind of integrate herself with our podcast in some uh, sort of way. And like you mentioned, we ended up talking to her for a, a few different uh, Zoom calls and, and overall for about four months or so, uh, trying to get this thing off and running, and we actually finally did. Uh, you know, obviously she's been busy with the season going on uh, throughout the entire last four months and everything like that that we've been talking to her. But overall, it's going to be a fun show to listen to um, because we are talking about DC sports and some other funny things and food and different things like that. But she is specifically talking about one niche in like the sporting world, which is a good thing uh, if you're kind of interested in certain uh, things overseas and sports overseas. Uh, so definitely check her uh, podcast out. It's called A Bird's Eye View uh, with Erica McCall, um, and it's presented by the DC Crossover. So it will be on the DC Crossover feed, so you can check that out. Uh, and, and that's real important. Right. That's real important. So anyone who subscribes to the show right now, you don't have to do anything. It, it will automatically go to your feed. So it will drop on Tuesdays. If you are listening and you're not subscribed, go Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, or if you're on Spotify, I think you hit follow the show or whatever it is, um, and that way you can get these episodes automatically. You can get notified uh, when it drops, but yeah, Tuesdays, I believe, is going to be the launch schedule, so you can listen to our show on uh, either Sunday evenings or Mondays, and then you can listen to Erica's show on Tuesday. so plenty of content right, for right. the people, Mike. I mean, we're starting our own network. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's the funny thing, too, is, I mean, I, I, there's so many funny things. That's why I always start with a lot of times. Is this, that's the funny thing about it. Uh, because, I mean, we're with a couple different networks now. We got another show that we're, you know, umbrellaing right now. So it's like, I mean, we went from, you know, talking about water and pizza in <laughs> WGMU <laughs> Studios uh, years back to all of a sudden, now all of a sudden being affiliated with networks and stuff like that. And it's actually fun because, you know, when you're looking at, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of family members over the last um, few weeks uh, for un, un, un uh, 
not really great circumstances, but at the same time, sure. I've seen uh, some fan members, and they're always asking me about the podcast and different things like that. How's your radio show and all that kind of stuff? Um, and uh, finally, we get some things to talk about. Like I can't just keep, I can't always right. say, oh, well, well, it's 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 doing great. Thanks for asking. It's, it's, going. it's going. It's Thanks. going. Pre- appreciate that's, it. That's always yeah, that's a always response. a response. But that's now I actually can say things about it, which is actually fun. <laughs> right, right, and of course. Uh, those listening to us on the contender, um, and if you're not listening to us on the contender, please go ahead and, and download the contender app. That's contender with a K. That way you can hear Mike and I when we do occasionally do post game shows for the Washington football team on Sundays here and there. Um, the best way to keep in touch on if we are doing post game shows or not is to follow the Twitter account. That way you can get updated and follow the contender on, on Twitter as well. A lot to get to today. Before we get to that, uh, the Nats and the Washington football team, I didn't want to touch on real quick, Mike. I did watch, um, I was watching a lot of college football yesterday. I, I was seeing bits and pieces of the Virginia Tech game. Um, that was definitely a game I had my eye on. I was yeah. busy watching Michigan State uh, and Miami, but I would flip back and forth, and I saw WVU go up big early, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this one, uh, especially when you're on the road, I was like, this might be trouble for uh, Hokie nation and it seemed to kind of continue to go that way it seemed, it seemed like especially wvu just getting up that early mm-hmm. that getting the early lead because not like they built upon it all game long or anything but that early lead seemed to just tank tech right out of yeah the and game. that's the bad thing about that whole entire game is that like you said tech was down 14 nothing so quickly that it, it's like you blink and you're like okay we're down by two scores here the game still has a ton of time left but it just it just it's not something that tech is built for to come back from bigger deficits now obviously they came back and they had a shot at the end to to tie it and then win it uh, but that was you know a horrible situation all in itself uh, but just looking at it tech has always been built on defense and they were only allowing like 12.7 or something points uh, for the first two games going in and that wasn't like they were playing two cupcakes they played UNC who's in the top yeah, big, 25 big games. Yeah. so and UNC just dropped 59 on UVA so when you're looking at it it, it it just wasn't a great start for Tech and their defense letting off that huge run like the first run of the game for WVU and it, it, it just kind of fell apart a little bit there in the first half they started building a little bit more, more momentum in the second half uh, but at the same time you know, when you have a, sh- a chance that late to tie it and win it, you have to take advantage of that. And, you know, especially being down 14. So, you know, they, they, the defense kept them in later on, but at the same time, uh, it's a big loss for Tech. But, you know, they are missing some players and different things like that. I'm not making excuses. Um, but WVU has is, is, is always been a good program. It's always been a good program. Yeah, that's a tough That's a tough road game. Yeah. You know, that's going into that environment. We talked about it on this show last week. I'm going into Morgantown and playing WVU on the road is, is never going to be an easy game. Um, and the ACC in general right now for Tech, I mean, that conference is just kind of weird right yeah. now as far as, like, who's winning games. I mean, we saw, like you mentioned, we saw UNC lose to Virginia Tech early, and now they're starting to blow teams out. So how good is Sam Howell and UNC? That's the question. Clemson has been up and down. It hasn't looked that great. I mean, DJ... I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce no, his last either. name. <laughs> Ungalongale or whatever it is. Ukulele. Um, yeah, he has not looked the the great quarterback that we thought he was going to be. I mean, obviously, it's tough to step in the shoes of a Trevor Lawrence and things right. like that. But like, um, I mean, in general, I think quarterbacks this year have not looked that great in college football. I think C.J. Stroud at Ohio State hasn't looked that great. Sam Howell obviously was off at the beginning of the year. He was supposedly a Heisman candidate guy. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it was just definitely a tough loss for Tech. 
Uh, I was obviously happy Saturday, Michigan State going into Miami and beating a very overrated, so overrated. Miami team. Unbelievable. I mean, they shouldn't have been in the top 25. This is this that was not a top 25 team whatsoever. Uh, and now they're one and two. So and they're out of the top 25. Yeah. So <laughs> go get out of there. <laughs> get and, out of there. Uh, Michigan State <laughs> finally in the top 25 right. now. Uh, at uh, twenty and U of M at nineteen, so it's going to get interesting when that when when the Michigan State Michigan game this year might be there might be some fireworks right, right. and that's and that's the big thing too is that you're looking at some of the other games around college football. I mean Bryce Young is obviously a really great player for Alabama. Alabama just but Florida gave him a yeah game. they did they did they, that's for sure. I mean Alabama jumped out early like they always do twenty one three, but then obviously they just kind of stifled uh, for the rest of the game. But they ended up coming up and winning by two. Uh, Georgia blew out South Carolina. Uh, Oklahoma is Oklahoma overrated or are they not yes. or what's going? Spencer Spencer Radler's overrated and Oklahoma. I mean it's Twenty-three to sixteen against a Nebraska team that Nebraska, everyone's saying Nebraska is, is is you know is better than they, everyone says they are, but they they lost to Illinois. I mean Illinois yeah. is not that great. Yeah. So you're looking at it. No, it's yeah, just embarrassing how how a guy like Spencer Rattler, who everyone thinks is the next next you know uh, uh, Roger Staubach. I'm telling you, like, he's another guy that I think is uh, another one of those quarterback names that going into the season. We were thinking, uh, everybody was saying this this guy's a top ten NFL pick, NFL quarterback type guy. He has not looked that great, right. Mike. I mean, I'll just be honest. I I don't want to rag on the kid too much, but like Oklahoma, I think, like I said, a little overrated. Yeah. I mean, it, and and go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm looking. Let I me. Mean, you just said it. Clemson is the exact same way. I mean, you're, the 14 to eight. I mean, Clemson was was a top five yeah. team going into the season. They had a tough game against Georgia, but then they're 14 to eight against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech screwed yeah. me. They <laughs> screwed me week one by losing to Northern Illinois. And Georgia Tech, literally, I, I, they were favored by 19 in that game. And right. I picked them in my survivor pool that I already lost a conference. I, I'm not going to explain how, how. At least you weren't one of those that picked Pitt the other day. Oh, yeah. I picked. I, I did pick the over in the in the Pitt game yesterday, though. Ooh, okay, so good. That good. was great. I'm glad, I'm glad you did because I'm sure Pitt screwed over a lot of people. Um and, uh, yeah, we could talk college could. football for an hour, but <laughs> we'll move on to the actual content of the show here. We'll start off with the Rewind. Uh, just briefly, we'll talk a little Nats just to kind of recap what they've been up to, and then we're just going to dive right into the Washington football team and break down that game from Thursday. But starting with the Nats, Mike, 60 and 80. Actually, they're 61 and 88 now with the win today. Um, ah, sweet. So 61 wins. <laughs> yes, they did win. Uh, fifth still in the division. Uh, still fighting for that last place spot in the NL East. Uh, another, this is exactly what they did last week. Another one and two week. Uh, they went one and two against the Marlins, one and two against the Rockies. In the Marlins series, first game, three nothing loss. Sandy Alcantara only allowed one hit over eight innings. This kid's a stud. That's one thing about the Marlins is they have all these young pitchers, <laughs> a couple young guys like Jazz Chisholm Jr. and some of these other guys that like. They have some some talent. They're just they're the Marlins. They're <laughs> the Marlins. <laughs> Second game, a two win. Eric Fetty, Mike's favorite pitcher, throws five innings, one earned run, eight Ks, no walks. Eric Cy Young Fetty, they call him. Oh, yeah. Third game, eight six loss. Jesus Sanchez homers twice for Miami. Bad, bad, bad game. And then this weekend against the terrible Colorado Rockies. First game lost ninety eight. I actually watched some of this oh. game. Um, the Rockies scored two in the night. This was one of those weird games. It goes back and forth, back and forth, and they end up losing. The Nats were winning uh, eight to uh, seven heading into the ninth. Kyle Finnegan on the mound. Rockies scored two in the ninth. Nats lose. Uh, and then the second game, they lose six nothing. Corbin goes four innings, gives up five earned runs. 
still not very good. And then uh, today, as we speak, uh, the Nats win 3 nothing. Juan Soto, the viral uh, tweet going on right now, the video right now, is Juan Soto hitting this 454-foot bomb under the concourse today. Uh, I mean, this has been a terrible season, obviously, but Juan Soto is still Juan Soto, Mike, and he's still impressing every single time we get to see him And that's play. the thing that I've talked about for weeks now uh, on this show is that this is literally an overshadowed practice for the Nats. Everyone, you know, right. that's still watching the Nats and enjoying it is lying to themselves. I mean, let's be honest here. This is a team that is just gutted from the inside out, and it's a tryout slash practice for all these younger guys, and we're trying to – it's kind of like spring training. Okay, we're seeing all these young guys that are on the roster and stuff like that. Are they going to be there? Who knows? Are they not going to be there? Who knows? You're just looking at it and saying this team – is you know Juan Soto and everybody else. I mean, it's yeah, like, exactly. I mean, it, and exactly. it's not like these guys are bad. I mean, Josiah Gray came out the gates hot, but then he's struggled a few times over the last few starts. Um, and yeah, which he's young. He's, he's only twenty three. You know. like, like, someone yeah. said uh, to me the other day, like, "Oh, Josiah Gray sucks," and I'm like, "I'm like, dude, he's twenty three <laughs> years can't old." Say that yet? You got to give him. I know time. he had yeah. four starts where he 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 only threw like he threw like uh, what was it? I think it was like six home runs, and everything else was like a two hit baseball. Like it was nothing. Yeah. So it's like you look at it. And these younger guys are still learning the, learning the major league game. You can't just jump from team to team when you're that young and say, like, oh, all right, this is another day in paradise. You know, because everyone looks at Juan Soto and they're like, man, this guy is 15 years old and he's hitting 450 foot bombs. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. th- so they think, and that's like the casual fan experience that, you know, they, they, oh, I know Juan Soto. Look at his jersey over here. It's Juan Soto. You know, and then everyone says, oh, this guy's 12 years old. And it's like, it's all this kind of stuff. I'm going ke- to ke- keep going down every single time I mention age. But right, that's the right, thing right. is that everyone. Who's kind of a casual fan thinks this team is terrible because you know these guys aren't performing like Juan Soto, like uh, Bryce Harper, you know Mike Trout, these type of guys that are younger, uh, or at least those guys, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper when they were younger, uh, you know right, those right. type of guys that are that are young in age and they're they're hitting you know big bombs and stuff like that. It, it, they just think that. Because Juan Soto's doing it, these other guys should be able to do it. No, talent comes once in a, in a generation where you have a Juan Soto who's 20 years old, 21 years old, can't drink a beer, but he can hit a 450-foot bomb. You, you don't have that in every single player. You have above average to great players that that are like you know Patrick Corbin of a couple years ago or you know Max Scherzer when he was at the Tigers and different things like that. So you, you don't really have players every single year that are going to go out there at 23 years old and blow the doors off for you. You have to make sure sure they develop and that's what right now Mike Rizzo is doing for this ball club so just you know it's it's not great baseball right now but at the same time you know you just have to understand that this is more of a tryout slash practice for next year and the years to come for this baseball team it is so fun to see what Juan Soto does I mean his stats right. right now 315 average 459 on base 531 slugging his OPS is 990 huh. Um, which is just bananas. The guy's got 26 bombs, 86 RBI. He's walked 124 times, and he's struck out 83. So, I mean, the the OPS is what is like the hot stat that everybody looks at these days, which is on base plus slugging. And I I think I've mentioned before, league average is somewhere in like the 700 or something like that. 990 is what Juan Soto is hitting this year at OPS. It's just unbelievable. The guy is just doing things that, at his age, that guys just don't do. He's only 22 years old, which is just insane. Um, So 
we've talked about on the show, okay, there's a couple weeks left in the season. Why even watch this team? Well, they still have one Soto, so yeah. there's still something to watch there. When the season does wrap up, Mike and I will do kind of like a, a, a report card for the team and, and for some of the players and kind of talk about the season as a whole, the disaster that it's been. Obviously, a lot of Nats fans have tuned out over the past couple months since they gutted the team, and, and now you know they're not competing for anything. But Mike and I will definitely dive into – we'll spend an episode uh, segment at, at some point after the season going over the Nats because um, – we there's always hope for next year. That's the thing about baseball. I mean, look at the Giants. The Giants were not expected to make the playoffs this year, and they did. The Nats going into next season, you never know. That's well, that's what we. We're and hoping. that's the thing too is that you're mentioning Juan Soto stats. I think the guy that we're overlooking just a little bit, and I think you know who I'm going to speak of, is Josh Bell. Josh Bell actually yeah. started off so slowly that me and you were like, "What is he doing?" You know, with him and Kyle Schwarber right. when we were kind of wrecking them on this show, and then all of a sudden Kyle Schwarber went on his tear, and then Josh Bell started picking it up just a little bit. Back when the team was exactly, yeah, back when the team had players. <laughs> um, but that's what you're looking at right now. Josh Bell is actually quietly having a. Pretty not great season, but for his type of play, he's having a pretty like a worth worth the sign. Exactly, exactly. So you look yeah. at him; he has twenty seven bombs, eighty four RBIs, and granted, a lot of this when he started picking up the play was when they gutted the team and stuff like that because Kyle yeah. Schwarber got hurt and all that kind of stuff. Because I mean, his strikeouts aren't; I mean, they're high. He's leading the team in strikeouts, but Juan Soto, who is always referred to as one of the best eyes in baseball for the most part, he has eighty three strikeouts, so it's not terrible. But then you're also looking at he's batting 259 as of right now for what I'm looking at. 259, not bad. You'd like it to be a little bit higher. Yeah, to, we'll take it over 250. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's still good. On base percentage, not bad, around 340. Uh, but then his OPS, as you mentioned, 990 for Juan Soto. And you also mentioned around league average, around 770 or something like that. I mean, he's 828 right now. So that, that, that's, that's not terrible. Yeah. You're looking at it and hoping that this guy, if they can re-sign him, I believe they only got into a one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. So I think technically I, – I thought it was as well, but I think – there's some extra year due to arbitration okay. or something, so I think they have him for one more season. So they do have him for next year. Okay, as well. so so obviously, like you mentioned, that we're gonna probably do this over uh, overlook oversee of the season uh, in, in the next couple uh, couple weeks. Uh, but when you're looking at it, if we can get him for another year, maybe even sign him for another two year extension or something like that, possibly because he's sure. still young enough to go out there and put up some nice numbers. I mean, that's not a bad three four combo right there with having Soto at the three and him at the four, and then you just kind of build around them because right now. Our lineup, which, again, I'm not going to try to get too far into this right now. Our lineup is more so uh, like an average type line. I'm not saying average like, oh, yeah. like, you know, put in the quote, we're an average team. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying more <laughs> so we're hitting for average rather than power. And that's a, oh, that, that's, that, that's always my kind of team, though, because I've preached to you many, many times. I love small ball. I like getting you know station to station, going going from first base to second base, stealing some bags, getting singles, getting doubles, rather than having, like, the Orioles teams from when Buck Showalter was there, and they were hitting. <laughs> Hitting, you know, forty bombs between five guys that you know what they had right. Mark Trumbo and all those kind of guys. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, this is my type of team. I just want them to keep building and building uh, through free agency and also get maybe another pitcher or whatever it may be and see what they can do next season. But right now, Josh Bell, I have to give kudos to him because he's actually stepped up his play, especially when right now the season is already lost. So. If you had Mark Trumbo on your uh, bingo card being mentioned on this show, go ahead and check that <laughs> off there because I did not think that Trumbo would be brought up today. The Washington football team. We are talking a little football here. Now, the, the nice thing is it's been a few days. 
It's been a few days since this game. We've had time to reflect. We've had time, in Mike's case, to relax a little bit. He was pretty amped up <laughs> after that game, as was everybody. I mean, I'm not just throwing shade at you. I think uh, this was just one of those games where it makes you lose your mind a little bit uh, because of how this one ended, of course, but in general, um, how this one went. So 30-29, Washington football team gets their first one of the season over the Giants in just a insane Thursday night game. I- I'll say it. I'll mention this right off the bat. The primetime games this year have all been pretty yeah. good. I mean, week one, the Thursday night game with the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, that was a pretty good game that ended up being close at times, uh, actually very close towards the end. Um, and then, you know, the Sunday night games have been pretty good here and there too. So I, I, it's just nice. It's nice to actually get non-blowout games on these national TV games. And Washington football team was on uh, national television there on Thursday night football, and they got a win. And that's what matters, Mike. Yeah. When, we've, when it's week like 14, and we're looking back at week two, all we're going to see is W right. next to that game. We're not going to focus so much about uh, the miscues the at week 14 uh, of week two. But now is the time for us to talk a little bit about it because that's what we do. And I guess initially I want to know your, your, your immediate reaction to this game um, when on on Thursday night, I know you stayed up to watch the whole thing. I caught the, I, I caught the second half on Friday morning when I woke up. Um, you you obviously <laughs> there's there's some highs and lows emotionally, <laughs> but in general, where how did you feel coming away from this game? Positive, negative? What where were you? Um, you know, uh, thinking about this team after after this one. So ended. as some people close to me know, and Ben, you know as this as well is that when I think of the Washington football team and then their previous name, uh, the Washington Redskins, this is my sure. number one team. This is my number one team. I love my Nats. I love my Caps and you know, sometimes the Wizards, um, but <laughs> sometimes when they actually do something. Um, but when it comes to this team, I get so amped up. And I, and Ben is, is – I'm the culprit because Ben sits there and just – I mean, he does. He, I know when I'm going too far is when Ben just stops responding, because uh, <laughs> either either he's sleeping or he's just gonna let me go. Because then I just use text threads as like a, a venting station, and I'm sitting there just going and just hammering my phone away. Uh, and uh, you know what? The reaction to this team was. My initial reaction was, oh, great. This is going to be one of those primetime games where we just lay an egg. Kind of like a few years ago when Mike Vick and the Eagles just pounded us on Monday Night Football. So you're looking at it, and Daniel Jones goes out there, pretty much the first drive of the game, and just runs train all the way down the field. It looked very much like the Chargers. Very much so. As far as the opening drive, just defense doing Very much so. And that's the problem is our defense just – for some reason, I don't know what it is with the secondary. The secondary has just not been good the first two first two days, uh, first two games, I should say. But the problem is, is that there's a big difference between a Justin Herbert and a Daniel Jones. I've said it multiple times. Now, our good friend Paul Dettino thinks Daniel Jones is, is a lot better than, uh, I guess, a lot of the public does. But when you're looking at it, I just think that when you, when you look at the Giants – Their team is not that great. I mean, you look at the total yardage, 391 is not that great. Now, everyone says the excuse 
of okay, you're going to get your yardages, you know, but at the same time, it all comes down to the scoreboard, which is true because the, the WFT have been one of the best at the last two years, one of the best red zone defenses in all of football. But my initial reaction was, here we go again. But then all of a sudden, the second quarter hits, and it's only seven nothing. So at that point, I'm like, you know, all right. We can we can we, we can stick around in this game, and maybe Taylor Heineke can get a few more uh, you know quarters or a few more minutes in the game and kind of get used to the game a little bit more because obviously last last week he had no expectation of getting in, so that was a little bit upsetting um, for for us fans because he came in there he looked like a scared puppy dog kind of going out there trying to do things, um, but right. he got really comfortable it looked like in the second quarter because we ended up taking the lead going into halftime and that's like something like. I wasn't expecting that whatsoever. Now, Taylor, uh, Terry McLaurin, T-Mac, you know, they were always going to say James Bradbury's going to be on him. He smoked James Bradbury. I mean, that wasn't even a close matchup. He had over 100 yards, a touchdown, and overall, he was just going off in that game, which we both talked about that this was supposed to be the game where he needed to go out there and play like a Pro Bowl type of player, and that's what he did. Uh, for first week, they barely even targeted him in the first half, and we were like, this is a mistake. And then he goes out there against possibly a little bit better defense than the Chargers. Not really sure um, how you can go and compare that. Um, but looking at the Giants, their defense is is above average easily. Um, but having a guy like James Bradbury, who's one of the cornerbacks uh, that was high you know, sought after in free agency just a couple years ago, uh, that was a big deal that he went out there and just smoked him, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know shy away from that. I believe that he went out there and dominated him, and that was the biggest. Eleven thing. catches on fourteen targets for a scary. Exactly, player. and that's the biggest thing is when you saw that first touchdown and and how he was playing that first touchdown drive for the WFT was thirteen plays and ninety yards. When you're backed up inside the twenty of your own twenty, and you can drive all the way down there in seven minutes, that's half a quarter. When you have seven minutes in one drive, you're moving the ball down the field right, and that's what they did. And then they they kept on the on the gas pedal. They ended up having uh, kind of a shaky third quarter coming out of the break, um, but then they they just stuck with it. And the biggest thing uh, that that we looked forward to in this game was how is the defense going to play? The defense held up. Now I'm not saying they played well, but they held up enough. Now you're looking at the the rushing yards, and we can get into this in a second. Um, but the rushing yards is the biggest thing. They held Saquon, and then they had to have Daniel Jones go out there and do most of the work. So I just think when you're looking um, at the at the, at the whole entire outlook of this defense, which is uh, the prime prime. I guess you could say topic for this team because we all know the offense is still improving and still young and different things like that. The defense held up enough to win us this ball game. Now I'm not saying Taylor Heineke didn't do a ton of stuff to go win us this game, but he did have a crucial pick in the end of the game that could have possibly lost the game for us. So let's get through the, uh, the little rundown before we start getting into the other topics. Right. And uh, a note on Barkley is, on the season right now, and I know he's coming off injury, but on the season, 23 attempts, 83 yards, no touchdowns for Saquon Barkley. So right. I sure hope you uh, you listening out there did not take him for fantasy football because unless he turns it on you know, in a couple weeks, you never know. Um, but still, he's not looked good uh, to start the season. But some of the stats, we'll run through some of this. So Taylor Heineke throws a 30, uh, completes 34 for 46 for 336 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a crucial pick, as Mike mentioned, which really was the interception that kept him from this from this being a A plus Taylor Heineke right. game. 
um, that interception, as well as some overthrows throughout the night, too, that some of them were, were pretty bad. Antonio Gibson, 13 carries for 69 yards. I think he got a couple catches, too. Not Nothing really special. J.D. McKissick, four carries, 10 yards. He did get that uh, two-yard run for a touchdown. Uh, also had five catches for 83 yards. J.D. McKissick was kind of the Antonio Gibson of this yep. game. <laughs> he had you know the five catches. He had the touchdown. I thought Antonio Gibson was going to get a couple TDs heading into last night. He did not. Uh, we mentioned Terry McLaurin. 11 catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Logan Thomas, another solid game for him. Five catches, 45 yards. Logan Thomas is going to be one of those guys all season long, I feel like, where every now and then uh, he'll be a He'll be in a big play at the right time, yeah. uh, like a third down or something like that, where you need the yardage, you need twelve yards, you need fifteen possession yards, receiver, you know, whatever the situation sure. is. Yeah, he's he is a trustworthy option there. Adam Humphreys, who we barely saw in Week One, I feel like to this game, seven catches, forty-four yards, decent game from him. Uh, Deami Brown, who obviously young guy, project guy, we're still waiting to see how they'll utilize him. Week one, Mike and I both really ripped his performance. Week two here, better. I'm still not going to say, oh, yeah, this guy's <laughs> number two stud. on the depth chart with uh, <laughs> with Scary Terry. Not at all. Three catches, 34 yards, decent game for, for Brown. I'm sure for him, makes him feel a little more comfortable now. Um, I said this in text to you, no, no, no better job than Ricky <laughs> Seals-Jones. Comes in, one target, one catch, 19 yards, touchdown. A crucial touchdown. Right. Uh, with like four minutes left in the game, tiptoeing on the sideline, on the end zone. Uh, I mean, that was a humongous play, and Ricky Seals-Jones ends up making the catch there. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the football, Kendall Fuller, great game from Fuller. Eight tackles, seven of them solo. He had a sack and a tackle for a loss. Uh, Jonathan Allen, two sacks. Montez Sweat, a sack. Um, the defensive line, which we'll, we'll expand on this in a sec, but the defensive line, much better performance in week two than than week one and then dustin hopkins this guy is the luckiest guy in the world because he on his staff his final stat line is he goes three for three it's 49 yarder ends up hitting the game winner um Obviously, if you watch the game, you know that Dustin Hopkins got another chance <laughs> at, at the game-winning field goal because this game would have been the Giants' way if uh, things had stayed that way. But the Giants ended up uh, jumping the line and getting whistled for it, and Hopkins got another chance. Now, real quick, Mike, I, I saw the video going on on Twitter. I've seen the play probably 15 times now. It's not even a question that the guy was offsides on the play. Right. But I see people saying, no, no, he jumped at the same time the ball was snapped and things like that. There's, He clearly jumped the line because the Giants were doing that all night long, too. The Giants got whistled for multiple offsides penalties throughout the night for going early. I thought that was a clear offsides on the kick. Yeah, and, and that's also the funny thing about it. And there goes again. I said there's the funny thing about it because because it, right. it's, it's everything is laughable. I mean, when you're looking at sure, sure. Uh, Dustin Hopkins and his track record, okay, yeah, he's had a couple good seasons here, or there, or whatever. But lately, over the last two years, he's been missing these kicks, and he missed the kick. Yeah. And you're still going to try to he jump? Did. I mean, 
How often do we see blocked field goals? That's the thing. Why Why would you even jump? It's so stupid. It just makes no sense. Why would you even even try to get off on the snap count or whatever it may be? They could have done a dummy count. They could have done something else, and you would have still got yourself screwed. So yeah. that's just the funny thing is that people are literally sitting there and trying to say, oh, well, he, he did this. It was a terrible call. I mean, look at the Cowboys and Chargers game. They just had like 13 penalties in the second quarter. So you're looking right. at it, it's like, okay, I don't think it's a ref's fault because you go in there. And an offsides penalty, sometimes it's iffy, but this one was clearly not. Yeah, it was clearly not. And and the video, the overhead shot uh, from the game, too, I mean, you just see it. It was it was clear. Um, but, yeah, I think you made a great point in that if I'm the other team and I'm facing Dustin Hopkins and he's got a big opportunity uh, to, uh, to kick a game-winning field goal, I'm telling my guys the one thing we cannot do is give him a second chance. Because this guy's probably going to miss it. Because <laughs> as a Washington football team uh, fans, I mean, I- I'd be nervous in that situation from now on. As far as Hopkins with a big kick and a big moment, I'm not necessarily super confident in that right. moment. Um, let's get to to Heineke a little bit. I just want to get your thoughts on... So now we've seen him through... Obviously, we saw him last year in the playoff game. Let's just throw that out the window. But let's talk about this season in particular. So we saw him in, in, in week one take over for Fitzpatrick in the second quarter. Um, you know, this was just not going to be the, the, the Washington football team's day uh, in that game. But Heineke was kind of up and down, did okay, especially better in the second half when he finally started throwing it to Terry McLaurin. Right. This game, week two... Throws a, a lot to Terry McLaurin, obviously, and it pays off. And he also spreads the ball around a little bit, too. Hits a couple big plays, including that Seals-Jones catch. I mean, that was a great throw. Uh, he threw the ball 46 times. He got the 300-plus yards. Is Are you confident in this guy now? We talked a lot but last week about Cam Newton and things like that, and maybe they should take a look. Is it going to be a week-to-week thing, do you think, as far as the evaluation of Heineke or... Are you, as a fan, comfortable with saying this is our ride or die guy for the rest? Well, that's of the, year? the problem with this whole entire argument is because when people are saying stuff like, oh, like you just mentioned, a week to week basis, like everyone's like, no, we need to make sure that he he feels comfortable there. It's like this is the NFL, okay? You can have your job taken away at any point. I mean, if you remember Roberto Aguayo, or I think I'm sorry, yeah. you know, for, he was one of the best kickers ever in all of the national, uh, all of uh, college football ever at Florida State. He gets drafted, I believe, in like the third round or second round or something crazy um, by the Bucks. He goes out there and just, I mean, literally gets hosed and has what like a 15 for 25 season or whatever. Missed a couple extra right. points. And his his whole entire career was basically kaput. Other other teams gave him chances, but he just he just could not play the NFL game. And that's the thing is you can be the best at your position somehow and then somehow just drop off. I mean, if you look at – um. I think what's his name? Uh, the guy from uh, Dallas, uh, the 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 linebacker. I forgot what his name is, but uh, but he's he was one of the best ones out there. I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on his name. I think he's, he's number nine. I keep forgetting his name. Um, but he now he's I guess had injuries or did something like that, and now he's kind of in the in the background. And Micah Parsons was one of the best linebackers. Uh, Dallas is trying to use him as a different position and stuff like like you don't know. Like anyone can take your job at any point. There's a lot of those positions out there, but there's a lot of football players in this in in this country that want to go out there and take your job no matter what so having job security is one thing but you know when everyone is saying oh yeah well I think you know he needs the the the, the pressure taking off him thinking that he's going to get replaced anyone can get replaced that's my point so I think it has to be a week-to-week basis this guy is not a starter for a reason and I'm not trying to say that he shouldn't be starting I'm saying like 
there's a reason he's not being a starter for any other team right now in this whole entire NFL. Um, that's why Ryan Fitzpatrick came in here and had the starting gig. And that's the problem is Taylor Heineke should have a week-to-week basis because of the sole fact that was the Giants. They had a little bit of a above average and slash, I would say, pretty on the fringe of being very good defense. Um, but then you're looking at some of the defenses coming up. The Bills just shut out Miami. Now, obviously, Tua got hurt in the first quarter. So they have to play the Bills this coming week. They got Tampa Bay looming, who Tampa Bay, as of right now, as we're recording this, is letting up a lot of points to the Falcons, which doesn't look good for my bet right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, Tampa Bay has a great defense defense as well. So he has to go and prove against these good defenses that he can go out there and throw for over 250 uh, every single game if he has to. Because uh, if obviously Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick aren't running the ball that well, then obviously he has to be throwing it. And then the game is leaned more on him than just the run game. So I think it has to be a week-to-week basis. Now, who is going to be his replacement? I don't think Kyle Allen's the answer, obviously, because uh, if he starts struggling, which is not what I'm saying. Uh, but when you're looking at it, if Fitz comes back, it's going to be a minimum six weeks, possibly up to eight. And I just think that if he comes back and Taylor Heineke is playing all right, keep him right there on standby because Fitz already, you know, he's going to be going over the offense and all that kind of stuff. He's going to be at the games. He's going to be, like, with the team a lot. So I think that Fitz is still going to have some extra time to learn this offense and different things of that nature uh, while he rehabs and whatnot. But at the same time, he, he should be on standby if Heineke isn't struggling. If Heineke is actually playing well, keep him in. Ride the hot hand because when that's the only thing you can say is ride the hot hand when you have quarterbacks that aren't bona fide starters. So in my opinion, right. it should be a week-to-week basis like you said. The nice thing with Fitz is because he's a veteran guy, you don't feel as weird if you do end up having to bring him in halfway through the season uh, and, and carry it out the rest right. of the year if Heineke's struggling versus vice versa, where you were throwing in Heineke maybe in midseason, a guy that really hasn't played much at all and that sort of thing. So I, 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 I'm with you. I think you don't necessarily just give Heineke, okay, this is your job the rest of the year. Um, you, you, but you also don't necessarily take it week by week either. I think you just got to evaluate in chunks right. and, and see. Now, th- so far through week one and week two, I think Heineke's done enough to be the starting quarterback for this team. Where's he going to be after the Bills and after some of the other tougher opponents? I think that's where things might get a little interesting because the Chargers and the Giants are good, but they're not uh, the Super Bowl contending good like the Bills and like the Bucks and those sorts of things. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, it was great to see Terry McLaurin kind of get fed the ball more <laughs> as, as the number one offensive option. I mean, that's what they need to do with him. Are you concerned at all for the running game? I mean, Gibson, 69 yards, no touchdowns from from him. Uh, McKissick, four carries. It just seems like – I mean, Heineke threw the ball for 46 times. It just seems like the, the run – the run game, at least in the, the Giants game, just wasn't really there. I think when you're looking at the passing attack, it was working, so they kept going with it. Now, when yeah. you see Antonio Gibson, I mean, it, he had his longest run was 14 yards. So it wasn't like – and I always go by the stats and by the longest catch or the longest yards. There was a guy I, I forgot um, who he played for. I think it might have been uh, – I'm trying to think of uh, who, who, who caught it today. Uh, there was a guy who got two catches for 119 yards or something like that. So, right, right. okay, he had a 99-yard catch. So when people look at it, they're like, oh, man, he had a great, you know, great game, you know, great average. You know, it's like, no, he had a huge catch, and that was it. So <laughs> you're looking at it and thinking Antonio Gibson had 13 carries. His longest was 14. 
So if you minus that, he had 12 carries for 55 yards, which is, is pretty damn respectable. Okay. Now his his right. average was 5.3, which is pretty good. But at the same time, I think when you're looking at this uh this this outlook for the rushing attack, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think that what was working, like I said, was the passing attack to the point where when you're seeing Terry McLaurin go out there, get 14 targets, you know, running train on Bradbury, 11 catches, 107 yards, one, one, one TD. His longest was only 18. Again, it wasn't like a 58-yard catch or anything like that. But, I mean, it was just working. I mean, J.D. McKissick goes out there, five catches, 83 yards. He was doing really well with six targets. A lot of these guys, it, it just kind of felt like it flipped the script from the Chargers game because the Chargers were catching everything, and now you're looking at our guys, and they were catching mostly everything. Terry McLaurin, like I said, 11 for 14 with targets and receptions, 5 for 6 for J.D. McKissick, 5 for 7 for Logan Thomas, 7 for 8 for Adam Humphrey. So these guys were actually catching most of the targets that were thrown to them. So I think that you know Ron Rivera and Scott Turner were out there saying, this is working right now. You know, We'll sprinkle in a few runs here and there, but let's just keep putting that icing on the cake right now because what's working is the passing game. And Taylor Heineke was on a roll, and everyone was getting behind him. So I think I'm not really worried about the rushing attack uh, for the future. Obviously, the other defenses that are more stout, like the Bucks, like the Bills, uh, who have better front sevens, in my opinion, I, I think those are going to be a little bit more tricky to run against. Um, but the receiving, receiving attack this past game was working so well, I believe, that we were just chewing up yardage, having having you know longer drives and possession, and I think that was what's, uh, what was working. So the Russian attack, not really hitting the panic button at all for that. And then the last thing from this one, the defensive line, again, looked much better. Um, we talked about the secondary looked pretty bad, but the defensive line in general, much better. John Allen had a great game. I mean, the guy looked like a beast out there, had the two sacks. Kiddo Fuller, as I mentioned, had, had a good game. Obviously not on the line, but uh, right. a good game. And then Montez Sweat with a sack as well. A guy that... We have not yet been able to write sack next to his name, Chase Young, uh, on the season right now through two games. Still, of course, impacts the game because he's the type of guy. He should have a sack. You're he should have had a sack on that, that penalty that they called, by the way. You're right. You're right. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, um, I mean, the D-line, the D I, I still – the defense in general – this was we, we we talked about last game how this team was thought of as a top five defense. We even probably said it on this podcast, maybe top five, top ten defense through the first two weeks of the season. I don't know, but this at least was a step in the right direction, especially for the defensive line here today, because you had some of the big dogs look really, really solid. Right, John Allen, one of our local local guys here uh, in the Nova area. I mean, three QB hits, three tackles for losses, two sacks. I mean, six total tackles. I mean, he was just a monster in the interior uh, the other day. And then you're looking at, like I said, Montez Sweat, uh, who needed to prove something this year. And I told you uh, multiple times over the last few weeks, they just need to let him go out there and run because that's what this guy was known for coming out of Mississippi State was his ability to go sideline to sideline and his speed. So let him go out there, let him run. He had two QB hits. So him and John Allen were just, I mean, demolishing that whole entire offense offensive line for the Giants, but like you mentioned, Chase Young, okay, I'm not going to sit there and defend him. There should have been a sack on that penalty in the first drive that ended up in a touchdown for the Giants. Now, I I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, this is BS, you know, this kind of this and that, this and that. I talked to a couple Giants fans, and they said that was kind of BS at the same time, because what is he yeah. supposed to do there? I mean, the, right, the, the, right. It's, the QB situations right now, uh, that have gone over the last five years or whatever since they started adjusting rules and stuff like that. What are these guys supposed to do 
when it comes to certain tackles. Like you can't sit there and say, okay, I need to, uh, you know, going full speed. I need to let up. I need to let up. I need to do this. I need to do that. Now you're not going to be Vontez perfect out there that are clotheslining people and stuff like that. But at the same time, you have to go out there and and, and play football the, know, the way you know how to play football. And Chase Young doesn't have a record or anything like that of, of, of being a, a dirty player or anything like that. So I understand that the refs have to call the game, the, you know, the way that they're instructed by the NFL. But at the same time, you can't have him go out there and have a great play, then you, you penalize him for it, and then it extends the drive, ends up getting the touchdown, blah, blah, blah. But I just think that Chase Young, he's in, in, uh, infecting the defense uh, and, and, and basically making his presence known uh, out there. Right, he puts pressure. So, yeah. I mean, you throw your best guys against him, you throw double, tees against, double teams against him. He's, right. he's impacting the game in other ways. But if we are talking about some of the – crystal ball predictions that we had at the beginning of the year as far as Chase Young over 11 and a half sacks was one of them with the William Jackson over two and a half picks which he already has one at least yep. right um so and we're, but the Ryan Fitzpatrick two and a half <laughs> rushing touchdowns I don't know if that's gonna <laughs> gonna happen I don't know. the problem is we did a lot of those were Ryan Fitzpatrick based um so we'll we'll kind of see how that pans yeah. out um throughout the year but uh hey what can you you can't predict yep. injuries uh on the NFC East side of things Obviously, the Washington football team and the Giants played, and so those are we know the NFCs for those two teams. Uh, Washington, of course, one and one now. The Giants zero and two. Eagles today dropped to one and one as well. They lose to the 49ers, the now two and zero Forty Niners, seventeen to eleven. Outgained the Niners by twenty yards, um, but they lose that time of possession battle. Jalen Hurts. Uh, it was one of those games where. He played good at times, and then he did not look great at times. I was watching on uh, Red Zone, and every now and then he'd break off for a nice run. He did get a rushing touchdown. But, Mike, no passing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. You just can't have that uh, in the in the league today. you got to have at least a, a, at least one passing touchdown if you're an NFL quarterback. Right. And, I mean, you're looking at the San Francisco 49ers defense. It's a very good defense. Let's, let's put it that way. I mean, they have uh, Jason Verrett got hurt, so he's out for the season. Uh, but at the same time, you're looking at their defense and saying they have Nick Bosa. they got some other guys around that defense that can make moves, that can make plays. But like you mentioned – the, the, the offensive weapons, and I'm not saying the Eagles, because we already said the Eagles weren't going to do too much this year and stuff like that. They're young. Is Hurts going to be the guy? Whatever it's going to be. But when you're seeing uh, Jalen Rager out there, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, you're seeing some uh, Miles Sanders, you're seeing some weapons out there that they can actually work with. I mean, he threw 23 passes, only completed 12 of them, which is a little over 50%, not that much. Had no touchdowns, no interceptions, so he didn't kill you through the air. But at the same time, 190 yards is nothing. And, and, and no. in, in a situation where Philly, they surprisingly won week one uh, against the, the Falcons, who are giving the uh, Tampa Bay fits right now, I, I just don't understand how, you know, they can sit there and, and, and try to say last week, a, a lot of people were saying Hurts is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC East, blah, 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 blah. I mean, not after this performance. So you're looking at it. No. Yeah, he did get 10 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. But at the same time, you're not going to lean on him for his legs the entire time because he, he's not a guy. Now, he has some speed. He can run the ball, but he's not a run-first quarterback. He's not a Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, now, and now I'm not trying to throw shade at Lamar Jackson saying he's a run-first quarterback, but he runs a lot. So you're saying, you know, is he going to run for 82 yards every single game? No. So he's going to have to somehow prove it with his arm, and Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager are going to have to help him out with, with Dallas Goddard out there as well. So we'll see. I don't know. I just think Jalen Hurts is going to be a very big project for them uh, to see if they can win over some fans with him. 
At this point, I don't even know who the best quarterback in the NFC East is because Dak, uh, <laughs> Dak Prescott's not playing that great today either. He's got 202 yards and a pick, no passing touchdowns. So, you know, they're they're struggling right now uh, with the Chargers. The Chargers just love playing the NFC East, I guess, because <laughs> they're giving everybody tough games. It's 17-14 right now, Dallas leading uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, obviously that game will finish. By the way, your, 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 your buddy Tom Brady that you're playing against in fantasy just threw another touchdown. Oh man! Five tids, five tids, uh, five touchdowns for Brady. Thirty-six fantasy points for him. I have Dak <laughs> Prescott. He has four. <laughs> Dak Prescott. Uh, he has four. So not great. Oh, uh, as far as what's on the schedule, well, first uh, we'll just brief recap of college football. Tech, as we mentioned, lost to WVU, 27-21. Maryland came back to beat Illinois, twenty to seventeen. This is a solid Maryland team. Uh, and then you got UVA losing big to UNC, uh, just outplayed, 59-39. Uh, JMU beat, uh, what is that, Weber yep. State, uh, 37-24, and then Liberty beats up on ODU, 45-17. Liberty continues to play solid, 13-1 and over last 14 games. They're one of those schools that will just never get attention because it's Liberty, <laughs> but they have a solid program. Yeah. Um, so good for them. On the on the forecast this week, the Nats, three games at Miami and then four against Cincinnati, in case you are curious and you want to watch some baseball over the next couple of weeks, even if the Nats are way out of it. And then the Washington football team, big 1 o'clock game at Buffalo. I don't know what the line is on that because they haven't come out with that, obviously, because all the games aren't done yet today. But uh, my guess is I'm thinking Buffalo. maybe, maybe the line's going to be something like Buffalo, maybe seven. Maybe they give seven and a half or something I, like that to Buffalo. I think honestly, it's going to probably start out. I think it's going to start out around four and a half, five, um, mainly okay. because of the sole fact that Buffalo in the first game, uh, you know, they struggled in the second half against the Steelers defense. And the Steelers True. defense, even True. though they had a few injuries today, I watched that game primarily, um, and they struggled mightily against the Raiders. So when you're looking at it. I don't know exactly how that's going to go. Um, we can get into that later. But at the same time, I think it might start out at four and a half. Uh, but I, if it starts out, what you said, around, what did you say, six or seven? I, yeah, like seven, seven I think and a half. I, I, like I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wouldn't mind taking the points I would. if I'm Maybe a, a little teaser. Team fan, so. <laughs> uh, and then in college football, UVA against Wake Forest. Uh, in Charlottesville on Friday. I love the Friday right. games. I, I've, I've been watching those every Friday now, um, uh, and there's been some really good ones. Liberty travels to Syracuse. Uh, Virginia Tech welcomes Richmond to Blacksburg. That should be a beatdown. And then UMD hosts Kent State in College Park. That should be a win for, for UMD as well. Uh, let's do the final lap here. Chance to run through some big stories in non-DC sports-related here we go. Jets rookie Zach Wilson throws four picks versus the Pats, Mike. It was ugly to watch. At one point, he completed more passes to the other team than to his own team. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, Penn State holds on and beats Auburn in the whiteout game. Crazy environment. Looks great on TV. Penn State, another big win early in the year, and this team, this offense looks pretty good, Mike. It must be unbelievable to be in a stadium over 100,000 people. It's unbelievable. Yeah, insane, insane. Alex Avila, Mike's favorite MLB catcher, retiring after 13 years in the league, played with Detroit, played with Minnesota, played with the Washington Nationals, and now he is retiring, Mike. See you later. <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers clinch their fourth consecutive playoff berth 
They're a beast in that NL Central. Yeah. And they just continue to dominate. I love me some Christian Yelich, man. The Marlins just letting talent go. <laughs> yeah, and the Brewers have one hell of a bullpen, which is going to serve them Josh well Hader. in the playoffs for sure. Uh, Rams linebacker Kenny Young. I don't know if you saw this today. Ejected from the Colts game, there was a kind of a really intense moment with the Colts and the Rams, and Kenny Young made contact with the official he was real fired up. Aaron Donald grabbed him and t- tried to get him to calm down. Some of the uh, Jalen Ramsey did as well. But Kenny Young ejected from the Colts game. Uh, just kind of definitely a wild game, that Rams-Colts I'm going to have to go and check out that video because one player for the Steelers got ejected for uh, spitting in somebody's face, which <laughs> I even said to my girlfriend, I was like, who spits anymore? I mean, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're a big tough guy and you're out there spitting on somebody? Like, come on, man. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. That, that reminds me of like – uh, God, I forget. Lance Stevenson in the NBA would do weird stuff like blow in the guy's <laughs> yeah, ear yeah, and like yeah. just weird stuff. Where you're like, what are you doing? Like, who does that sort of stuff? Uh, and then the last thing here, Ole Miss QB Matt Corral uh, is kind of the new Heisman favorite right now in the with the betting odds. He's currently ahead of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And uh, if you haven't got a chance to watch Matt Corral play, it's pretty fun to watch. The guy can sling it, uh, moves well as well, and. Uh, I mean, I, I got to see him in week one. I watched some of that game. Or maybe it was week zero, whatever they call that. <laughs> but uh, he, he looks pretty solid, and he's now the current favorite, which is kind of weird because Spencer Radler and C.J. Stroud, those were the guys coming in where everyone was putting them, Sam Howell, in the mix for the Heisman. Matt Corral leading candidates hey, right Hey, c- congratulations to him because he did win me some money yesterday because I did bet the spread, and they just whooped up on Tulane. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good Ole Miss team. They're they're fun to watch. Uh, we got a little trivia action here. Yes, Mike. we do. As always, let me play your music. As always, we have there we go a trivia question that deals with uh, Washington sports. Uh, like always, it usually revolves around a uh, WFT slash Redskins question. But I think no, I do have the rest. <laughs> I, was, I, I looked at the question. I was like, no, nah, that's not going to be it. Um, all right, here we go. The 2012 Redskins won seven straight games to finish the regular season before falling to what team in the NFC wildcard game? So in 2012, the Washington Redskins won seven straight games to finish the regular season before falling to what team in the NFC wildcard game? This was the year of RG3 winning the Rookie of the Year. Oh. I I have one that comes to mind. I wanted to throw that out to you. Oh, actually, I don't. <laughs> I had one that came to mind. Uh, man, I, I, I'm, th- I'm picturing a red jersey. Uh, that is one of our typical rivals uh, in the playoffs that we've had in the past. I'm not going to say that that's the answer or not, but. So it's not <laughs> it's not the answer? I'm not telling you. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Remember, okay. you got your question. I'm going to take a sip of agua while you think. So it's uh, so my question wasn't, do they wear a red jersey? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> uh, NFC, NFC. Who in the NFC? I'm going to have to take a stab at, at a division. Okay. Is it – are they – is it the team that they played, are they from the NFC South? No. Eliminates four teams. That does. That does. <laughs> oh, man. I should have asked a different question. Um, oh, hey, you only got, what, uh, three divisions left? So you got 12 uh, well, minus them. Well, we, well, we, and we know 
at least I think I don't think it was an, an NFC no, uh, not sorry I don't think it was NFC East okay so that eliminates uh, four more so that's eight so you have 16 teams or no you got eight I'm teams thinking, left For some reason, I, I can't take it all day. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I'll, I'm, here's my guess. They're 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 coming to mind. Okay. I don't know why. For some reason, I'm thinking New Orleans Saints. Is that, is that your? Are you are you asking? Or, uh, <laughs> That's my question. That's my answer. Is was it was it Drew Brees on the Saints? Drew Brees was on the Saints, but that's the incorrect answer. The incorrect answer uh, was that one, uh, but the correct answer was the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. So it was NFC West. I don't know. For some reason, Saints were coming to my mind. I know. Okay. All right. Because all right. All right. All right. In, in the past, uh, usually we've won the division to go to the playoffs, so right. it's always usually one of the wild card winners who has a better record. And uh, the Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Bucks have been the team, and that's the, that's the red. Yeah, I was thinking of yep. Bucks initially. And those two yeah. teams we've played multiple times in the last like four times we've been to the playoffs. It's all right. You can't win them all, folks. You can't win them all. I've gotten plenty right on this show. You have. You have. Um, so that's okay. That's all right. Uh, let's move on. Speaking of something I have gotten right, let's move on to the money line sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, had a had a five hundred week. Had a Mike Cerrone week for myself last <laughs> week. Went one and one. I uh, got the MSU uh, dog pick over Miami, and then freaking Maryland didn't cover. They won their game, but they didn't cover. I think I had them at seven or seven and a half, and they only won by like three or one or whatever that That's was. Three, yeah, um, twenty seventeen. So I went one and one. Uh, and then Mike with his NFL picks today Yikes. went zero oh and two. Zippy. Yeah, not the best day for you, but that's okay. Uh, we got what was new, the spread for week. the for the Bengals? What was the spread for the Bengals? Was it three and a half that I that, that I bet on them, or was it? Yeah, was I it think three so. or something. That sounds I, right. actually no. It, it was three. No, it was, it was three, three because they yeah because they they but it, but it, well, no, they didn't cover because they they lost by three. Oh 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 sorry sorry they were favorite. No, you're right you're so, right, sorry the Bears so so, so that so that was a loss in our yeah. in our mind. right right we don't right, do right. we don't That's do pushes around here. Right, right. Um, so uh, for this week, new week here again, we're doing locks and dogs for this is our second edition of the money line. I'm sticking with college football here. Um, my lock, MSU, favored by four over Nebraska. I like this one a lot. Again, Michigan State has looked great. Kenneth Walker uh, has been an incredible running back this year for, for Michigan State, has looked fantastic. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to see Michigan State play, uh, trust me, Walker is the real deal. And I don't think Nebraska is very good, honestly. <laughs> so four points, I think, is a little surprising to me, especially now that Michigan State is ranked number 20. But I'll take it. And then my dog, Akron, 49 and a half <laughs> against Ohio State. I got to think they're going to cover. <laughs> that's, they're getting, that's a lot of touchdowns. I mean, Akron's given those points. I got to think. I mean, obviously, I don't think Akron's going to win this game, but 49 and a half is a lot because, in my mind, Ohio State, if they go up 21 points or something, I think they're going to let some off the gas pedal a little bit. They're going to focus on running the football, which they did pretty well this weekend because C.J. Stroud did not play well, so they ended up the running back got like three TDs or whatever. Um, so Akron... All eyes are on you, man. 49 and a half? I got to think you got to lose by less. Than I that. always have the uh, notion to bet on those type of games because the sole <laughs> right. fact that it's like, okay, you have to lose by less than sub seven touchdowns. Like, it's it, it just it just baffles me. Uh, but I've bet on a couple of those games before, and they haven't gone my way. 
because I right. I, I'm a little nervous, especially the ones that are like the over under like 85. I'm like that's a lot of points. But then of course it's like yeah. a team that has like you know toddlers playing defense or something like that. It makes no sense. But I mean, hey, <laughs> that's a pretty nice, pretty nice line. Um, like <laughs> so my uh, odds are ever in your favor, Katniss. Um, so the lock and the dog for me, the lock is any type of spread. It could be a 40-point spread, the Broncos over the Jets. Zach Wilson sure. is terrible. Obviously, as we record this, the spread hasn't been released. The bet will be like 14 and a half or right. something. I mean, it's going to be something. It's going to be over two touchdowns. Yes, the Tampa Bay over Falcons today uh, was 12 and a half, and the Jets are worse than the Falcons because they have Zach Wilson, who, who doesn't know how to throw to the guys in green. Uh, you know, so basically, I'm gonna go with the Broncos over the Jets, not the money line, but I will go with the spread, whatever that may be tomorrow. And my dog would be Arkansas going. Oh yeah, I love plus, me some Razorback. <laughs> I love me some Razorback football. Uh, plus six over Texas A&M. Texas A&M. I mean, they didn't look too strong. I believe it was, I believe it was last week. Um, but Arkansas, they're just—I mean, they—they they, they beat up on Texas. Uh, they're looking pretty decent. So I mean, hey, throw 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 six points at them. Uh, hopefully, they keep it close. You never know. I like I it's, like it's that in Arkansas like, too. I think I, I mean that's a and that's a great environment. I I like that Arkansas team this year. I don't know why. I think they're like the the, the darling of the NCAA right. right now because I think people have gotten to see them win some big games and they've just been really fun to watch. That's a right. great pick. Honestly, I might put some right. money on Co- that Correction, I forgot that it's not in Arkansas. It's at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, no. I yeah, cor- yeah, corrected yeah. myself. So, I still think I still think I like yeah. I like Arkansas a lot in that Big game. lights, so, big that's, Drumbotron. That's a great pick. I mean, get the razor yeah, back. Again, that quarterback, that quarterback, he's like, he's, he's huge. <laughs> he's a monster. He just runs he's over. He's huge. Guys. I love it. Uh, that is the money line sponsored by DraftKings, and that about does it for this episode. One more time, we'll remind you, look out for another episode that drops this week, and it will actually be Bird's Eye View with Washington Mystics player, uh, Washington Mystics forward there, Erica McCall, uh, and brand new show on our feed. I think it's eight episodes. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about international basketball, talking about the food, talking about the accommodations, talking about the, the playing styles, the learning different languages. I know on this week's episode, Erica talks about how her coach in Israel uh, was you know yelling at these players in Hebrew, and, and she couldn't understand anything he's saying. I mean, it gets real fun uh, to, to listen to and, and just hear about these experiences. So check out that feed. If you already subscribed to the show, there's nothing for you to do. It will automatically show up in your feed. If you don't subscribe to our show, Go ahead and do it just for that, just for that show. If you don't want to listen to Mike and I, at least listen to Erica on our feet, I guess. But still. And also, maybe you're finding us because of Erica's show. If Maybe you're a new listener. We welcome you to the DC crossover as well. Um, And as far as next week goes, we'll see what our schedule is next week. But follow the Twitter at the DC crossover for myself and at Cerrone16. That's the best way to track the show. Uh, Mike, any final thoughts here on this week two Sunday as we head into the big Lions-Packers game tomorrow night, Monday Night Football? So I need some advice. I'm going to a wedding on Sunday. I'm trying to figure out how I can watch partially uh, the WFT game without being noticed and that I'm staring at my phone or something like that. Because I will be in a hotel room getting ready for the wedding uh, and I'm hoping that they would be able to watch it because it's in Virginia Beach, so they might have the Carolina game on or something like that. But what, what, how can I do that secretively? <laughs> yeah, I would say I assume you're gonna have long sleeves on because like, you'll probably wear like a tux. Yes, or I have a or? tux. That's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I would say a couple things. Uh, bathroom breaks are your friend, right? 
Right. Um, definitely. I mean, just make sure you have your phone on you with all at all times. Feel free. I mean, be drinking a lot of liquids, and so that way it's not weird that you're going to the bathroom all the time. But I'd <laughs> or say, Serona, into the bathroom again. <laughs> keep in mind this: people aren't tracking how long you're in there, so feel free to go in there, watch five minutes of the game, come back, do whatever. Uh, I'd also say if you're wearing long sleeves, you can keep the phone kind of in the sleeve area, and that way you just pull it up to your in, into your hand, like into your okay. palm, and that way you can kind of and if you have big enough hands, you can kind of cup it and that way you're looking at the game a little bit and you're not being too obvious you can just kind of like let's say you're you're sitting at a table you've got your arm down on the table you got the phone right there and just kind of glance down right. every now and then um but that's really all you could do man bathroom breaks and and you got to be sneaky because you're right you don't want to be that yeah. guy that gets called out the, the, uh, the, the problem the is is that the wedding is on sunday because of covid stuff yeah. from last year it got uh, canceled and they they only had a Sunday available. This the real problem is somebody having a Sunday wedding during NFL right. season. Right, exactly, problem. and that's the problem is I'm the best man. Uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> oh god, so that's, even that's worse. what I'm saying. I got a lot of responsibilities, okay. and that's a whole nother thing, man. Oh, uh, it's I'm just gonna. Well, here's here's well, you know I'll be watching the game. I will try to text you as many interesting updates as possible okay. about the game. Um, so you know, and Dan will be in this, uh, the chat as well. So we'll be keeping you up to date with the game. That way, you're hearing like the most important parts. Right. The watching is going to be the tough part. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, there's because I'm not a big. I mean, I don't really like doing the following yeah. where you're like refreshing ESPN app yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Lame. But you got to do what you got to do. It's just man. a pain. But bathroom breaks are your yeah, friends. It's sure. it's a pain because the sole fact that again the games at one. And all the getting ready part, I think it's starting at like right. one or two or something like that. That all gets documented. Yeah, yeah and because yeah. they got to take pictures of you putting your ties on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know, somebody straighten his tie up and stuff like that. And yeah. meanwhile, they got Taylor Heineke over here throwing well, a pick or something. The only pictures that matter are of the bride and groom. Like nobody cares about the groomsmen getting ready before the wedding. Oh yeah, like, who, that picture is not going to be important in ten years. It's about the bride and well, the groom. Oh, I mean, so, and I'm so supposed silly. to be carrying the rings and stuff like that. And then, oh, it's and I, I mean, I don't even have my 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 suit yet my tux is is well we had to we we, we rented them uh from generation tux and everyone else's came in perfectly but mine doesn't fit Ooh. uh so great. i'm like great now i gotta have them send something back out the only thing that fit was the pants uh so so now you have to send that back to them and then they send you a new mm-hmm. one and uh, it sounds it's, like a it's, mess. it's a mess but i'm i'm well good I'm luck. Just hoping that good i can watch some the of the game yeah I'll, I'll definitely try to keep you up to date um, and uh, the fans will as well on Twitter <laughs> at Surround16. Be sure to tweet him as much as possible during the during the wedding. That's for yes. sure. Uh, that is Sarone, That I am Ben. We will see you guys uh, maybe next week, maybe the week after. We'll figure it out. Uh, but regardless, can always follow the show. Uh, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave reviews, ratings, all that good stuff. And we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the DC Crossover.